Great. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's not true that I'm the only Steve Jones in the world. There are actually quite a lot. When I was a student and um, we used to go home from college for our vacations, my friends had a little competition, which was, how many Steve Joneses can you find? Uh, and they used to come back with photos of shops and the run by people with my name. It's pretty much the most common name in the world. At my GP surgery, when I phoned them up, and they, I say my name, they say, could you please tell us your date of birth as well, because we need to sift our way through all the, all the Steve Joneses. Anyway, good morning, everyone. We're all right? Good, okay. Um, To infinity and beyond is the subject that we chose for this morning. I'd just like to say, actually, um, I think this is the third regional celebration that we've had. And uh, thus far, I've spoken at all of them. And uh, I just like... (laughs) Whilst that's clearly bringing a lot of delight all around... Um, I just want to say that's not the way it's always going to be and the way it's going to continue. When we are here in September, we've got Roy Godwin coming to speak, which is a name that will be familiar to some of you. There's a book called The Grace Outpouring, uh, which has been the most, uh, or the best-selling Christian book in the UK in the last few years about fresh encounter with God in West Wales. And uh, we're going to invite Roy to speak to us about more experiencing more of God, more prayer, more of the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to be happening in September. There's an area celebration in November. We've got Joel Edwards, who was leading the Evangelical Alliance, coming to speak when we gather for a regional celebration in January. We've got a guy called Russell Rook coming to speak, who was the chair of Spring Harvest, who's now working with us on starting a free school here in the city. So there's a whole number of things happening in the next few months. That Sunday in September. Let me just be as clear as I can about what's happening on Sunday the 9th of September, because as Steve Begu said, there's a couple of things happening that morning. There are two uh, central region events happening on the one Sunday. One is here with Roy Godwin, looking at prayer and a time of encounter with the Lord, and one is at Keeble Road in Bicester. So on that morning, there's both going to be gathering for prayer and worship and mission happening on the one morning. And you have a choice as to which to engage with. And my hope is that it won't just be a case of the Bicester people uh, doing things in Bicester and everyone else coming here, but actually that there'll be a real mix-up of things going on, that enough people from across the region will say, I'm going to head up to Bicester this morning and take part there, that there'll be freedom for people from the Bicester church that really needs to come and encounter God in the way that will be happening here on that morning will have the freedom to do so, yeah? So I just want to underline that there's some sign-up sheets across the way and all to take an interest. Okay, so to infinity and beyond. It's obviously a little bit of fun uh, looking at this, but can we have the next slide, please, as well? Because I believe there's something that God wants to just uh, say to us this morning. As I was praying ahead of this morning, uh, I have a growing conviction that God wants to set us free this morning from the limits the boundaries that have so far defined and contained us. Uh, This is obviously a picture of a rhino that's been bred in captivity, being set free for what it was meant for, this life in the great outdoors. And it's important that we understand that our future is not defined by our past. What we naturally do is, as we go through life, we have certain experiences, and those experiences come for us to define what's normal. And we naturally think that 
the future, the rest of our lives, will be a continuation of that normality. If I stand over here, something interesting happens with it. I'll try not to do it. If I come this way slightly, maybe that will help. And um, actually, for us as children of God, normality should not be defined by our current or our previous experience. For us, normality should be defined by the scriptures. That's why it's great reading the Gospels. It's great reading the Acts of the Apostles because they define the normal Christian life for us. And what that means is that when we read in the Bible of what God offers to us, all that's on his heart, and it's actually bigger and goes beyond what we've yet experienced, we face this little question, don't we? Which is going to define our expectation? Is it going to be what we already know, which is normal and natural, or will it be what we find in the scriptures, which is spiritual and full of faith and leads us on? So, we want to go beyond. Um, let's have the next picture. Uh, we want to go uh, beyond our boundaries. Uh, in the process of applying to start a free school, which we've been, which we did in February, one of the things that I did was to go to Blackbird Lee's community centre. And uh, I'm quite familiar with Blackbird Lee's Community Centre. Bev, my wife, used to have a studio in there when it was a bit more derelict than it is now uh, as an artist. So quite familiar with it. Turned up there to have a public meeting about this free school idea to find out what local people thought. Uh, I ended up having quite a chat with someone who helps run the centre. And she clearly liked me. Because after a little while, she said to me, you seem like a good good bloke. Uh, we need some more trustees or people to be on the board of running this centre. Do you think you might be interested? And whilst I was sort of padding and trying not to give a quick answer, I didn't just want to say, well, I had to say no, but I didn't want to say no quickly. I mean, you know how it is. I was just sort of um, padding a little bit. And then she said, oh, but do you live local? And I said, yes, I live local. I live, um, I, I live in Cowley. I live just uh, at the other side of Cowley Centre. I said, yeah, I live local. It's like less than a mile away. And she said, oh, she said, you mean the other side of the ring road? <laughs> she said, so you're not local? <laughs> I said, no, you're right. No, I said, I'm, no, I'm not local. And, uh, of course, to some extent... We all find our identity in where we live. Or maybe if we've not lived in where we are at the moment for very long, maybe it's where we last were or where we've come from. But the place where we live or the place where we come from uh, does play a part in defining who we are. We all belong somewhere. And it is natural, again, for us to put down our roots and belong somewhere. But you know... Just before Jesus went back to heaven, he said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what that tells us is that whilst we all belong somewhere, we've all got our Jerusalem, that's not the whole story. Because the God whom we love 
has a bigger picture. He knows where we live. He knows where we belong. But he speaks to us and says, it's not just about the place where you live. It's not just about your Jerusalem. But he wants us to share in his heart to see his word spread to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There are two ways that the word of God can spread from us in the place where we live out to other places. One thing that happens is, especially today, we all travel a fair bit. It's rare now to meet someone who's not gone more than five miles from the place where they were born. I mean, we all travel, and one of the things that God wants us to do is, wherever we go, to cheerfully uh, be ourselves as the children of God and to spread his word just by being ourselves, being open, being frank about who we are and what we know in the course of just going about life. But there is another thing, which is deliberately choosing to go. Jesus also said to his disciples, just before he went to heaven, go and make disciples. There's an active choice, not just to go because work requires it of us, or go because that's where there's a good shop, or whatever else it is that makes us travel but to go with the express intent of contributing to the work of God in different places. If we don't choose to go, uh, there's a a slightly sober warning in the Bible, isn't there? In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that's where it says, you're going to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. But then in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, it says that on the day that Stephen was killed, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all, except the apostles, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And despite the fact that God had said, you're going to be my witnesses, not only in this place, I have a passion and a concern for all those other people out there as well. Despite the fact that the Holy Spirit had come upon these disciples, they'd seen signs and wonders and people coming to the Lord. They baptized people. They had this radical community. It was all going on so well in so many ways, except that they were stuck in Jerusalem. And seemingly, God was willing to allow a persecution... (laughs) to come upon them in order to make sure that they got out. It was only when they were actually forced out at threat of their lives that they went out as far as Samaria. And then as soon as they get out into Samaria, they start to see, wow, look what God does with people that are not just like us. Look what God does outside of the setting that we come from. They saw all kinds of things that they'd never seen in Jerusalem once they got out and participated in what God was doing elsewhere. It would be great for us to choose to go without waiting for the persecution. I mean, persecutions will come from time to time in life. Constraints will come upon us. It would just be great for us to choose to go anyway. Obviously, we had this thing about Bista Fun Day this morning, which provides a wonderful opportunity. If you don't live in Bista and you're thinking, I'd love to respond to the word of God this morning, we just there's like an on-the-plate opportunity for you to go and do something fun to respond to the word of God. Couldn't, I don't think it gets much better than that. 
actually, in terms of ease of responding to joining in with God's mission. Kidlington, again, um, there's a small-ish, I say small, yeah, small team, really, of people running a youth club for up to 70 teenagers uh, every Friday night, um, which, again, it's great fun. Um, sometimes it's a little bit challenging. Um, Mark's got a couple of lads that like to call the police on him week in, week out, um, just to cause a little bit of trouble, a little bit of aggro. They're trying to pretend to be gangsters, I think. And uh, it's a bit difficult when you live in Kidlington to be a gangster, isn't it? But... So if you want to go and see some wannabe gangsters and laugh at them, no, no. Um... It's far, I mean, these things that God calls us to get engaged in, yeah, there's a, there's a commitment and a cost of our time, but it is fun too, getting involved in all that God's doing. So the first thing I just wanted to lay before us this morning, I believe God wants to lay before us, it's there in the scriptures, is when we're thinking about what, the, what beyond is there, one of the things God wants us to know and to live out is to live beyond the boundaries, the geographic boundaries, the physical boundaries that are natural to us. And not just to think of ourselves as, you know, I'm Steve, I live in Cowley, and here's my parish. But understand that we're part of a movement of God that is without limits, is without boundaries, and to join in with that. But here's another thing that's also in the book of Acts. There's a bit that we often read in, towards the end of Acts chapter 2. I was reading it again in, pre- in preparation for this morning, and I saw something. I have this thing quite often where I read something in the Bible, and I'm like, wow, look at that. I've always read it this way, but now that I'm reading it carefully... It actually says something else. And I go to Bev, and I say, look at this, it's amazing, I've never seen this before. And she goes, yeah. (laughs) I've always read it that way, I always knew that. Okay, so I'm not quite sure how this little revelation is going to land for people. You probably already all know it already. But towards the end of Acts, chapter 2, it says that the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, and everyone was filled with awe, and the apostles did many miraculous signs. Now, I've always read that, and I've always read that the people were filled with awe because of the miraculous signs, like they prayed and all of that. But, you know, there was also miracles going on, and so everyone was like, whoa! That's how I've read it. It doesn't actually say that. What it actually says is that everyone was filled with awe even before the miracles, And actually, the awe and that sense of wonder is attached to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And in terms of the places beyond that God wants us to go to, he wants us to go beyond, as it were, the outer courts of his presence and to go in further to a place of awe and wonder in his presence. Uh, The breaking bread speaks of giving thanks, of remembering what Jesus has done for us and saying we're so grateful. It speaks of prayer, uh, sorry, of praise and worship and saying, turning our attention towards God and saying we're just so grateful for how good you are. We're so grateful for what you've done for us. Breaking bread, thanksgiving. Uh, In the prayer that is mentioned in Acts 2, there's this, of course, what we do in prayer is we bring to God our different concerns, don't we? So, well, God, I've got this problem and that problem, and I'm a bit worried about this. That's really important that we do that as well. Actually, 
the mixture of those two things, how much we praise God and how much we come to God and say, oh, please, Lord, help, is often determined by what our week is like, isn't it? If we have a really good week, everything's going really well, we come to church on a Sunday morning a little bit more ready to praise God and say, thank you for all of this stuff. If we've had a really rubbish week, then actually there's usually a bit of process of going, oh, God, and there's all this going on. Before we get to a place of you know, getting beyond that, we have these, I guess, distractions from the praise that really should be rising up within us. Um, there's a bit of a progression that goes on between these three kinds of experience of prayer. So there's the, there's the praying through all of our concerns, needs, and anxieties. That really matters. The second thing is about offering to God our worship and our thanks. But then there is this other thing about awestruck wonder that we find people experiencing again and again and again in the Bible. Think of Moses at the burning bush. Suddenly finds himself coming into God's presence. He's told to take off his sandals because it's a holy place. Think of the dedication of the temple that Solomon built and when they'd done all the sacrifices, the glory of God, that weighty presence of God came down and all of the human activity that had been going on was overtaken by an awareness of God, the reality of who he is. Think of Isaiah going into the temple. He was in some outer court somewhere, maybe he got a little way in. He certainly wouldn't have got into the Holy of Holies, but somehow God came out from that Holy of Holies and encountered him, and he saw the train of the robe of the Lord Almighty filling the temple. He had this direct encounter with this awesome God, and he was, he was overwhelmed, didn't know what to do with himself, just became profoundly aware of his inadequacy because he saw what God was really like. The fear of the Lord came upon him. And there's a bit of a progression between these things, because when we first approach God in prayer, we start out naturally enough with all of our anxieties and concerns and what we might call the kerfuffle of prayer. All the little bits and pieces. That's like the outer courts. In Jesus' time, there was a Big outer court, the court of the Gentiles, which was the first place that you came into. And when Jesus came and found that it was full of all kinds of stuff, trading and noise and whatever, he cleared it out and said that this should be a place of prayer. The first court into which we come is a place of prayer, a place where we can offer to God our concerns. But, you know, the more you pour out your heart to God, the more you say, there's this and there's that, and God, please help me with this. What starts to happen is we begin to remember what this God that we're praying to is really like. We begin to remember that he's trustworthy. We begin to remember that he's faithful. We begin to remember that he loves us. And Bit by bit by bit, our prayers turn from just like, here's all my stuff, God, that I'm bothered about. It turns and it lifts from that, and we start to say, actually, God, I really thank you that you've done this for me. 
thank you that you sent your son to die for me. I thank you that you're great. I thank you that you're always there for us. I thank you that you've sent your spirit. And there's this spirit of thankfulness that rises up. The longer we spend in that place of prayer, entrusting bits of our lives to God, there's an, it's like our, our eyes begin to lift. I wonder sometimes whether we spend enough time laying everything out before God. And whether we get to that place of our eyes lifting from our concerns to look to him and to praise him. I wonder that sometimes, because when I see congregations on Sunday mornings, it sometimes seems to me that, that quite a few of us come with our week's list of bother and kerfuffle you know, in our heads, unprocessed, unprayed through, to, the, to gather on Sunday, and actually whatever time we give to worship, the first 20 minutes of it is dealing with the kerfuffle. There's all this stuff, God. I, and, and we kind of go through a process of, even whilst the worship leader is saying to us, let's worship the Lord, we're like, hang on a minute. Because, uh, you know, my car broke down in the week, and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. And I just, just need to give that one to God. Or, you know, there's this relationship at work. It's a real, I just need to process that. I need to pray about that before I can really get to a place of turning my attention to the Lord. And I just want to encourage us to go beyond the outer courts. And that our daily lives would not be lived sort of just out in the world and treating Sunday as a time to start to pray and to start to come into those outer courts. But let's press on in in our lives as a whole. And then, of course, in our praise, in our worship, it's also true that the longer we spend focusing on the Lord, there's something else that starts to happen, where actually we just begin to forget ourselves altogether. You know, there's a kind of worship of God where you're like, right, I'm going to praise him, I'm going to say, I mean it, I'm saying it, and God, here's this thing about you I really love. And it, but it's all quite deliberate. It's all quite conscious. And um, it's a little bit kind of in our heads and a little bit in our hearts. But it's a little bit shallow sometimes as well. It's like we're doing the stuff. But the longer that we spend focusing on God, there is something else deeper that also starts to happen where we just start to see a vision of God, it's like he fills our spiritual eyes again. And often as not, we just realize that we need to shut up. And beside, we remember his holiness. And it's like we've moved from that court of Israel where there's offerings going on and there's people praying and that in the temple... It's like we move beyond that right into the Holy of Holies. And we're like... God's here. We're not just saying the right stuff and doing the right stuff anymore. It's gone beyond that. And I believe... That God wants to call us beyond the outer courts. Wants to call us in. Wants to call us into the holy place. And a little bit of it, you know, is to do with time. 
If it takes time to travel to Kidlington to help with a youth club, if it takes time to get along to Keeble Road and get the bouncy castles going or whatever, it takes some time as well to get past the outer courts. It takes a little bit longer than just the quick, oh God, this is bothering me, kind of prayer. It takes a little bit longer than just a couple of songs of worship. God is calling us in. So, let's not believe that life will simply go on as it always has. And let's not only do what we've already done. Let's not only go where we've already been before. Let's move out from our corners and let's move into the holy place. Amen? So let's go to infinity and beyond.